DiscerningHearts.com presents The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. For over 20 years, Dr. Bunsen has been active in the area of Catholic social communications and education, including writing, editing, and teaching on a variety of topics related to church history, the papacy, the saints, and Catholic culture. He is the faculty chair at the Catholic Distance University, a senior fellow of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology, and the author or co-author of over 50 books, including the Encyclopedia of Catholic History and the best-selling biographies of St. Damien of Molokai and St. Kateri Tekakawitha. He also serves as a senior editor for the National Catholic Register and is a senior contributor to EWTN News. The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Matthew, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, great to be with you, especially uh, given the opportunity to talk about uh, one of the great doctors of the church in St. Ambrose. In our previous episode, we spoke of the life of St. Ambrose of Milan. A quick recap, an extraordinary man who was elevated to a life in the church, it, it just exemplifies the importance of grace, doesn't it? It, it does. And in, in Ambrose's case, uh, here was, uh, as, as we discussed in part one, someone born to power and influence, someone who theoretically could have had an immense career in the Western Empire. And yet he did have uh, an immense career in the Western Empire, but he did it as the Bishop of Milan at a time of great crisis, and in surrendering himself, in saying yes to Christ's call, uh, he was able to impact the history of the West in a way that was actually greater and more significant than had he simply pursued a career in politics and government in the Western Empire at a time when the Western Empire was already on a state of decline. I think it was interesting in our last discussion, he was elevated to that role by two very different factions within the church because they were so impressed by his integrity. He was who he appeared to be. But they were both hoping that as he grew in this role, he would move towards one of their sides. He did not, in the end, move towards the Aryan heretics who had hoped that he would be moved by their cause. You're absolutely right, Chris. Both sides thought that they would be able to bring Ambrose to their side. But as we have seen with other doctors of the church, as we have seen in the history of the church, the very characteristics, the very attributes of someone like Ambrose would have made it impossible for him to embrace the Arian heresy. And this is something we've seen before, as I was saying. The the Arian heretics completely misjudged him. Uh, They assumed that his moderate personality, his diplomatic personality, either would make him weak or that they would be able to influence him and to convince him of the rightness of their cause. But of course, Ambrose was too smart for that. He was too possessed of integrity and decency and principles But also, he understood 
because of his experience as governor. And this is why his political career before his appointment as bishop was so important and was in many ways decisive in his approach to the problem. He recognized it as a bishop, as any bishop. He had to be the center of unity for his diocese. And the Arian heretics were, by their very nature, divisive and people who created both chaos and unhappiness in the Christian community. And so it was really no surprise, I think, to the Orthodox Christians uh, that Ambrose very quickly settled in as an opponent of the Arian heretics. He was given such strength by his contemplation of the Word of God, his love of scriptures. St. Augustine, in the, I think it was the sixth book of the Confessions, Mm -hmm. speaks about Ambrose and his relationship with his people, and he was always present, presence for his people. But when he wasn't with his people, he was, it wasn't an Augustine that said that he was feeding on or nourishing a spirit with reading. Yes, yes. And here we sort of have enter into uh, the, the great drama of the life of Ambrose, uh, a figure, one of the few figures that we can say was actually better known, uh, an even more towering figure than Ambrose. And that, of course, is Augustine of, of Hippo, who is also a doctor of the church, father of the church, and, and one of the greatest figures, not just in the history of Christianity, but in the history of the West. And yet, when Augustine arrives in Milan, uh, he's dissatisfied, he's unhappy, he's still, he is still searching for truth, he is still searching for the, the great answers uh, to life. And he had been miserable in Rome, Augustine, uh, as a teacher of rhetoric, and he had heard about the preaching of Ambrose. Mm-hmm. And... He listened to him. He was very impressed with Ambrose. But as we talked a little bit in part one, what struck Augustine the most was not Ambrose's rhetoric, his his oratorical abilities, as impressive as those were, but how he lived his life. And you have the sense in in reading the Confessions that uh, the Augustine watched Ambrose for a while, and uh, Ambrose, I think, immediately spotted in Augustine uh, the almost limitless potential, and yet did not rush to try to push him into the faith. He rather helped lead him very gently into the faith by helping him to understand what the truth was that he was actually seeking. And of course, the, the final conversion of Augustine came about how? It came about through the reading of Scripture. And that, of course, is something that, that Ambrose had long been doing. Uh, and as we've talked, and as you pointed out, um, Ambrose seemed to have this magnificent ability to understand Scripture. But we also see in Augustine's discussion, uh, he, he described Ambrose as uh, one 
who was not an empty preacher of the word, uh, but who had the word in his own heart. Mm. And as Pope Benedict XVI in his discussion about Ambrose pointed out that Augustine had learned precisely from Ambrose how to ear hear in his own heart uh, in to the reading of sacred scriptures and and to absorb and assimilate the word of God in that heart. And how beautiful their discussions must have been, uh, but also how painful uh, for Augustine as, as he was progressing down this, this road um, under the, the gentle hand of Ambrose. But I think Ambrose also understood the, the torment uh, that Augustine was facing. Interesting side note as well from Augustine. He was amazed that Ambrose did not read the word out loud. Yes. That he actually read silently. Now that that was different, wasn't it? Uh, it was. In the early centuries, um, reading uh, was tied intimately with the idea of proclamation. Uh, as, as he puts it, reading aloud facilitated the reader's understanding. Ambrose, however, because of his training, because of his intellect, read with his eyes and did not read out loud. In other words, he was able to absorb what he was reading without the idea of uh, positive reinforcement by actually speaking. In that sense, it was even more impressive for Augustine because if you connect the idea of being able to read with the eyes, reading with the heart, with the fact that he's reading scripture, this is something very different uh, in, in that era. And it would have left a very deep impression on Augustine. It's really a very dramatic prayer, actually. It's a, it's a way of teaching that in he was not necessarily listening with the ears, uh, with his human ears, but listening with his heart, listening with the interiority. And that seeping of the faith within the interiority, it, that would fuel so many of the monastics, wouldn't it? And many of the, of the great mystical doctors of the church. Yes, and, and we're, we can see in, in Ambrose then uh, the actualization of his prayer life. I mean, as, we, as we've talked, this is somebody who had scant theological training prior to his becoming Bishop of Milan. And yet, mm-hmm. here was somebody within what is a relatively modest span of years became so great a figure that he was able to lead, of all people, Augustine into the first depths of and beauty of the Christian faith to the point that he really was a catalyst for the final transformation of, Augustus, of, of Augustine into the, the figure that we know today as one of the great towering figures of the West. With Ambrose, as we have also seen, uh, it is that absorption of Scripture into his heart, and, but then it is that living of the faith, of mm-hmm. putting into practice the ideas, the teachings of the church, and the love for Christ and the love for the church. One of the best lines that we can think of came, was from Ambrose when he said, when we speak of wisdom, we are speaking about Christ. When we speak about virtue, 
we are speaking about Christ. When we speak about justice, we are speaking about Christ. When we are speaking about truth and life and redemption, we are speaking about Christ. So, as we have seen with other doctors of the church, Ambrose was proclaiming Christ, and he was seeing Christ in others. He was helping to draw others to Christ by trying to be Christ-like himself. We'll return in just a moment to The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. What's interesting, when you look at lives of other doctors of the church that had that deep, penetrating prayer life, they were called into action out in the world. And even fueled by that grace that came from that seeping in prayer, they would, I was thinking of St. Catherine of Siena. Here is this unexpected young Italian girl trying to help the Pope yes. get back to Rome. Yeah. I mean, it it leads them out into not necessarily enclosure, but active service and sometimes extraordinary service 
to the gospel. In in Ambrose's case, of course, his encounter with Theodosius. Yes, yeah, you, and you've hit on uh, one of the, the the key aspects of uh, Ambrose's life as Bishop of Milan. He was, as a governor in Milan, a very prominent political figure. As bishop, he became an even greater one. And he had, on a number of occasions, disputes with emperors and and certainly with one empress uh, at a time when they were trying to impose uh, the Arian heresy. And it is safe to say that had Ambrose been of a truly ambitious, ruthless disposition, he might very well have orchestrated the overthrow of at least one emperor. But he chose the, the, the way of Christ. But in doing that, it also it, it placed him in stern opposition uh, at times to the emperors in calling the Christian emperors to be what they're supposed to be, to be authentic. And of course, no greater example of that could be found than his encounter uh, with Emperor Theodosius. Now, Theodosius I is honored for his efforts to uh, bring about an authentic Christian culture across the whole of the Roman Empire by declaring effectively Christianity the religion of the empire. Mm-hmm. Theodosius, however, was also a, a hard general uh, and at times a, a, a very ruthless one. And there came a time in around 390 uh, in which riots broke out in the city of Thessalonica. And in retribution for the riots, Theodosius ordered a massacre of 7,000 people in the town. The riots were over a chariot race, of all things, which was not unheard of. In fact, the the terrible riots, the Nika revolt uh, that took place 200 and some years later, under the Emperor Justinian in the city of Constantinople, that was also sparked by chariot races. Give you an idea yeah. of the fervor that people had for sporting events in the era. Mm-hmm. But in order to punish the city, Theodosius announced that another chariot race would be staged, the crowds arrived, the gates were locked, and within just a few hours, 7,000 men, women, and children had been put to death. Ambrose was left speechless by this act of violence, and he condemned Theodosius. But more than that, he demanded of Theodosius genuine repentance. He wrote to him that, I exhort you, he said, I beg you, I entreat you, I admonish you, because it is grief to me that the slaughter of so many innocents is the cause of no grief to you. He said, I call on you to repent. And he effectively informed the emperor that he could not go to mass until he had done it. And Theodosius understood what he had done. And he did penance. And it was a hard penance. And despite all of that, this emperor who had slaughtered 7,000 people who had waged bitter campaigns uh, to solidify the the political stability of the the empire, said of Ambrose, I know no bishop worthy of the name except for Ambrose. He, He was held in high regard, Ambrose was, by the emperor. And in fact, 
it is said that uh, Emperor Theodosius died in Ambrose's arms. Such was the relationship. So Ambrose, like Catherine of Siena, exhorted the, the great and the mighty of their era, not for political gain, not for personal gain, but for two things. One, to uphold what they were supposed to do as Christian leaders, but also out of a genuine worry uh, for their spiritual lives, for their eternal destiny. And it is said that when Theodosius died, Ambrose said, I confess that I loved him and felt the sorrow of his death in the abyss of my heart. This from a bishop who had compelled this emperor to do penance. Imagine a modern-day bishop having the type of courage, the, the supernatural courage, to be able to stand and leaders. And I'm not just talking about in the United States. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about around the world. And many of them, I think, have, and many of them have lost their life because of that. Yes, yes. Ambrose, like so many of his contemporaries, was willing to die for his cause, what he believed was right. And of course, we know was right. And doctors of the church are role models for all of us in our love of the faith and in understanding the faith and living the faith in being holy, uh, but also in the degree to which we're willing to give ourselves for the faith. And in the case of bishops, I think here is another one of those role models for the modern bishops. And I I can say that there are many bishops around the world who do follow Ambrose's model, who are Mm -hmm. outspoken in trying to bring to the political realm uh, authentic justice and Christ in the political world, in culture. And Ambrose really is a, a, a beautiful role model for that. But we can also look at one other episode that is very revealing of Ambrose. And, of course, that's his, his daily preaching. Because mm-hmm. he was able to impress upon Theodosius the emperor of the Roman Empire, the, the ruler of the Roman Empire who, who had vast legions at his disposal, uh, to repent. And that same fire in Ambrose was in his daily homilies. And it was for good reason that Augustine was drawn to Milan because he'd been hearing about the the homilies, the teachings of Ambrose of, of Milan. And thousands flocked to his church every day. But he was exhorting the life of morality, the authentic Christian life, which meant self-sacrifice, which meant giving up the vanities of the world, which meant embracing asceticism, which meant embracing the prayer life, which also meant embracing the religious life. He encouraged young men and and women to enter the religious life, to give themselves completely to Christ and his church, to the point, it was said, that the, the powerful and the wealthy, especially the powerful and wealthy mothers in Milan 
banned their daughters from going to his homilies because they were so terrified that under his influence, their daughters would run off and become women religious. Mm. Tells you something of his influence. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Now, he might have been able to uh, browbeat the emperor, but uh, I think he had a harder time with the mothers of Milan. The Italian mothers. (laughs) Yes. What other aspects of this wonderful St. Ambrose should we be aware of? Yeah, well, uh, one of my favorite aspects of Ambrose is his love of the Blessed Mother. Mm. Uh, We know that uh, his Mariology uh, left a great influence on uh, a number of popes. Uh, I think, for example, Pope Leo the Great. Uh, He was a great supporter of the the role of the Blessed Mother as uh, Theotokos, as God-bearer, as Mother of God. Uh, He Mm -hmm. spoke of the virgin birth, uh, and tied it, of course, to uh, the incarnation. And the other thing that we honor St. Ambrose for, of course, is his important role in introducing uh, Eastern chant, Eastern hymnody, uh, the hymnody of the Eastern churches into the West, in particular the Western liturgies. Now, it's a, a question of scholarship as to how much Ambrose was involved in the actual composition of what became known as the Ambrosian chant, mm-hmm. uh, which in the West uh, stands as one of the great forms of chant along with Gregorian chant. But certainly the um, Ambrosian chant, Ambrosian hymnography, which is particular to Milan and remains uh, uh, a beautiful form of uh, hymnody uh, is credited to him. And while we don't know precisely how involved he was in the actual composition, we certainly know that he was responsible for introducing so much of the hymnody from the East into the uh, liturgies of the Milanese, and in that sense then laid the groundwork for the beautiful Ambrosian chant that followed. And that itself uh, is worth celebrating for uh, St. Ambrose. It shouldn't, um, let me rephrase this. You won't find images of St. Ambrose as an elderly man. He died at a relatively young age, did he not? He did, uh, around the age of 60. Wow. He, uh, that, when you think about the influence and the range of what he did with his life to die so young and have such an impact, again, we, we go back to grace. Mm-hmm. Is it, what grace can do to the heart that is open. Yes, yes. And... For Ambrose, I, I suspect that to the uh, austerities that he led, the ascetical life that he led, uh, contributed to his early passing. But more important, uh, the immensity of his labors. Uh, we have seen this with other doctors of the church, that they gave themselves so completely, uh, unhesitatingly, uh, to to Christ, that uh, 
they died not prematurely, but they were willing to give completely of themselves. And in that sense, too, they are a role model to hold nothing back. You know, totus tuus, as John Paul II had on his coat of arms. Mm. To give completely of yourself. To give yourself completely as a gift to God in gratitude for his grace uh, is, I think, a hallmark, too, of Ambrose. And it is fitting that um, he is also credited with the composition of the Te Deum, uh, the, the great hymn of praise, uh, Te Deum Laudamus, or the O God We Praise, that is used as a special thanksgiving. Uh, it's used in particular at the time of election of the Pope. We, of course, use it for the consecration of bishops, for uh, the canonizations of saints, all of these immense and important moments. And Ambrose, it is said, composed the Te Deum on the occasion in 387 of his baptism of Augustine because he knew what he had unleashed, so to speak, the, the power, the spiritual power of Augustine. And Ambrose, of course, died not too long after. But I think he died knowing that he had accomplished something truly immense in the baptism of Augustine and died content uh, that Augustine was on his way and the contributions that Augustine would give to the church uh, must have pleased his heart greatly. Mm. St. Ambrose, thank you so much, Dr. Matthew Bunsen. It's a privilege to be with you as always, Chris. Take care and God bless. You've been listening to The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. To hear and or to download this program along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to support our efforts. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom with Dr. Matthew Bunsen.